If you are just getting started with the NGSS and 3D teaching, I want to invite you to check out Bring Wonder Back, an on-demand video series designed to help you understand why moving through the textbook and teaching topics is actually crushing your students' curiosity and what you can do instead. It's going to help you shift the work of learning where it belongs by building your understanding of explorations and discovery-based teaching practices. And finally, I'm going to help you take the first steps toward transforming your students into scientists through 3D learning, which is really what the NGS is all about. You can access this video series at iExploreScience/wonder and get ready to bring wonder engagement and a love for learning back to your science class. All right, to the show. Welcome to the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. I'm Erin Sadler from Sadler Science. And I'm Nicole Van Tassel with iExplore Science. We're here to cut through the confusion to help science teachers like you make science relevant and engaging with student-driven instruction. We know that when students take ownership of their learning, teaching can be simple and fun. Thanks for being here and let's dive into the episode. Hello everyone, it's Erin. And today I'm going to be talking to you about the science and engineering practice progression or the SCP progression. And I know that we've talked about this a lot of times before, but I wanted to dedicate an entire episode to talking about it because I want you to understand how important it really is. Um, more often than not, and I am totally guilty of this myself, teachers are teaching at the wrong grade level band and more often than not they're teaching at a much lower grade band than they should be and I'm going to talk about why that is and what we can do to fix it and why it even matters in this episode. So if you're interested in getting really nerdy about this this is one of the things that I cover in my student-driven investigations course and I'm going to be retooling things very soon. I'll have more information for you later. But if you want updates on that course, go to sadlerscience.com slash investigate and you will get on the wait list for that course and get all of the information about updates and all of that kind of good stuff. Okay, so what is this progression that I'm talking about? So I'm talking about the way that the NGSS is written so that it's different in kindergarten than it is in 12th grade. And we already know that um, this progression exists in the disciplinary core ideas. It, ex it exists in the cross-cutting concepts and it exists in the science and engineering practices. For today, I'm going to focus on the science and engineering practices, but it's true for the other dimensions as well. And just to make sure that we're all on the same page, the grade bands are early elementary, which is kindergarten through second grade, upper elementary, which is third through fifth the middle school grade band, and the high school grade band. So why did these grade bands even matter at all? Well, for me, it's for two different reasons, and they're basically opposite reasons. The first one is that I believe that the NGSS is really good at being developmentally appropriate for students, where I don't think that that was the case with previous versions of the standards. And I think I've told this story on the podcast before, but um, my daughter was in early elementary and she brought home a diagram of the layers of the earth. And I don't remember exactly what grade she was in. It could have been kindergarten. It could have been second grade. I don't remember, but she was very young. 
And I asked her what these layers were and what they meant. And she was able to name the layers, but she had no idea what they meant. She didn't know why it mattered. She didn't really understand anything. Now I think that the the NGSS is written in a way that really takes into account students' brains and how they've developed. And they understand that students are too young to understand certain things at certain times. I also think that the opposite is true. I don't think that we were really pushing our students um, in high school before the NGSS. And let me explain, because I think that we get a lot of um, a lot of people believing the opposite. So in when I taught high school, my students had to remember all of the parts of the cell and explain what they did. But even though they were able to name the parts of the cell and explain what they did, they didn't really understand how they worked together. Sorry, I had a little doggy intruder. You can probably hear her in the background now. Um, but I think that what these standards do is they really push the rigor. When you're asking students to develop a model to describe something like a cell, you're really asking them to understand how those components work together and you're pushing them to a whole nother level. So I think that these standards do a much better job both with the early elementary students and with the high school students in pretty much everything in between because they have this beautiful progression that I'm going to talk more about today. So another reason I think that this is so important to talk about is because there's a common mistake that you may be making. I know I definitely made it when I started using the science and engineering practices in my classroom. I was really teaching them at a much lower grade band than my students were in. So like when I was teaching my middle school students, I was really looking at the practices at the kindergarten through second grade band. So when I was looking at the practices, I was just kind of looking at the title. Like um, if I was using the practice of asking questions, I was like, okay, my students are asking questions in class. Cool. Like check. I'm done with that one. Or, you know, if my students drew a diagram, I was like, okay, we did modeling. Great check, that one's done. Um, I didn't look at what my students were expected to do in the middle school grade band for a long time. So if that's kind of what you're doing in your classroom, there's a really easy fix. What I'd like you to do is just go to Google right now or when you stop at your school, and I would like you to Google SCP matrix NSTA or science and engineering practice NSTA matrix um, any of those things, and it should be the first thing that pops up. And it's a PDF document, and it explains everything at each grade level band. So let's talk about some of the differences. One of the differences that I've noticed is the difference in scale. So with elementary school students, for the most part, and this is a generalization across the science and engineering practices, but for the most part, we're just asking students to take things at face value. Whereas in middle school and high school, we're asking students to start looking at different scales. So, for example, looking at things at the microscopic level and describing things at the microscopic level. Um, maybe looking at things at a different time scale. So talking about how things move like quickly and slowly and looking at um, spatial scales and looking at things that are really, really, really big and really, really small. So um, I think scale is one of the big differences in between like elementary and the upper grade bands. 
So kind of more generally, the practices get more complex as students progress from one grade level band to the next. So one of the examples that I like to use is with the practice of engaging in an argument. I really feel like the kindergarten through second grade band talks about the practices in the most um, in the most basic form. And so I think that that's why I was really looking, I was really teaching at this grade band when I started teaching the practices in my classroom. So in kindergarten through second grade, students are expected to analyze why some evidence is relevant to a science question and some is not. So that's totally something that we would want our students in middle school to be able to, to do, but that's also something that they can pick up really quickly and we can move on to the next level. In upper elementary, we are really looking at pairing, an evidence, pairing evidence with a specific claim. And that's just like the next step up. And in, then in middle school, students are asked to provide reasoning to explain why the evidence supports a specific claim. So one of the things that you have probably noticed if you teach middle school is that middle school students really struggle with the difference between evidence and reasoning. But if we had taken, you know, that three years in upper elementary school and really just talked about the claim and evidence, by the time that they got to middle school, they would be so ready to provide reasoning for the evidence. Unfortunately, that's not what happens. <laughs> and our students are coming in kind of learning about argumentation for the first time more often than not. So if you become familiar with this progression, it's really easy to scaffold these practices by just bumping back a grade level band and spending some time there. And then when students are ready, moving to the middle school grade band. But it's important that we don't lose sight of what that middle school grade band is so that we're pushing students to do things that are developmentally appropriate for them. The progression is also useful in the reverse direction. So a lot of times I see that upper elementary teachers are struggling teaching their students CER and it's because the students are having trouble with that reasoning component. And the thing is, is that they're not actually required to do that reasoning component, that that reasoning component's really going to come later. So if you really pay attention to this matrix, you can kind of alleviate some of that stress that comes with not knowing what your students should be doing at your grade level. So at the high school level, students have to do things like evaluate the claims, evidence, and or reasoning behind currently accepted explanations or solutions to determine the merits of arguments. And when I was teaching high school, that was when I first started looking at the NGSS and there wasn't a lot of information available. And I looked at the practices and I was like, oh my gosh, there's no way that I'm ever going to be able to get my students to be able to do these things. But if I would have just looked back at the middle school grade band, this would have been a great way for me to scaffold it in a way that would have been accessible to my high school students. Another major difference is that in the middle school grade band, there's really, you can kind of start to see a big overlap between the science and engineering practices and cross-cutting concepts. So it's adding another layer of complexity there. And so if students don't have that base knowledge, it's very difficult for them to come in at this point. So when you're looking at something like modeling, 
if students don't have a pretty good understanding of systems and system models when they're doing modeling in middle school, it can be very difficult. So again, this is a reason why it's a good idea to just jump back a grade level band as long as you're doing it knowingly and intentionally. Okay, so the last major way that I've noticed that the progression changes from early elementary to high school is the vocabulary that's used. In the kindergarten through second grade band and even in the upper elementary grade band, the vocabulary is pretty basic. And to me, it's a lot more accessible to students. So if you have students who haven't been exposed to this language before, um, students you know who haven't gotten science in their earlier years, or students who are English language learners or special education students who struggle with vocabulary in general, this is a really good thing to look at. So one of the examples that I always use is that the practice of planning and carrying out investigations in upper elementary school really focuses on the language of a fair test and only changing one thing at a time so that the investigation is a fair test. When you start talking about variables and independent variables, and dependent variables and controls, that adds a lot more language to it and it becomes immediately more confusing to students. Whereas if you go back and talk about a fair test and then put that language in after, it's much easier for students to access. So again, I want my students to hit that middle school grade band. I want them to be able to talk about things like trials and independent and dependent variables and controls and all of that kind of stuff, but that might not be the best place to start with them. So just by bumping back a grade band intentionally, I can prepare them to be ready for their grade level band at a later time once they kind of understand the concept. So just to recap, a lot of us are teaching at a grade band that is too low. And if we're doing it intentionally, that's totally okay. But our ultimate goal is to get students to be performing at their grade band and using the practices at their grade band. One of the ways that we can do that is by intentionally using this progression and bumping back a grade band to make it more accessible to our students. So how do you get started? To me, it's really easy. Just download a copy of the NSTA matrix for the science and engineering practices. Then what I'd like you to do is every time that you use the science and engineering practice in your classroom. I want you to just flip to the page for that designated practice. And I want you to try to find what you're doing with your students on that page and just circle it and see what grade level band it falls under. And then you can make some adjustments from there. So if you notice that you're way back in the kindergarten through second grade band and you're teaching middle school, then maybe bump it up to the upper elementary grade band. If you are at the appropriate grade band, that's fantastic. Um, you may even notice that you need to bump back a little bit to make it more appropriate for your students. So your homework for today is to go and download that. I will, of course, put a link in the show notes. And if you are interested in learning more about this, get on the wait list for my student-driven investigations course. Um, this is just a little piece of what we cover, but you can go to sadlerscience.com investigate. Making sure that your lessons are three-dimensional isn't always easy. While you don't need to include all three dimensions every single day, you do want to make sure that each dimension is regularly addressed. I developed a really simple 3D planner to help keep me focused. 
It helps me track which pieces I'm using in my daily lesson plans. It only takes me five minutes to fill out, and it helps me notice patterns in my own lesson planning. For example, when I first started using it, I noticed I wasn't including the cross-cutting concepts as often as I thought I was. Just by recognizing this, I was able to focus on this one piece and improve my lessons. Right now, you can grab the same template that I use for my own planning for free. Go to sadlerscience.com slash 3D planner to grab yours. That's sadlerscience.com slash 3D planner.